Welcome to the Movie Planet. This week we're talking about 1997's Alien Resurrection. With Joe. You're not thinking termination. Oh boy, am I thinking termination. And Joel. Bottom line is, she looks at me funny one time, I'm putting her down. I'm your host, Joe, and with me is the newborn alien oh. <laughs> to my Ripley, Joel. <laughs> Good my, to see you, buddy. <laughs> my, uh, the white one? You are the white one. Uh. Yes, that nice. ugly ass alien that they decided was gonna be a good idea in that film. <laughs> Man, they're, they uh, they took a lot of risks <laughs> with what could have been good at the end of this film. Yeah, uh, if you don't know, we are talking about the 1997 science fiction horror movie Alien Resurrection today. Uh, this is the fourth piece in our Alien franchise. Out of six pieces, we're gonna be doing uh, uh, Prometheus next week, uh, leading up to our final show for the Alien franchise, Alien Covenant. Uh, and we'll see if this franchise will make it right now, because right now it's buoyed by Alien and Aliens, and then everything else is just digging it into the ground in the franchise category. So, well, not due to my grade, Alien Cubed. No, not to, no, no, no. You were the savior for Alien Cube, I think. Such a fun experience. <laughs> we're going we to jump into a cesspool. That smells just just a little bit better than Alien 3 and Alien Resurrection. So uh, get ready for this one. This is the final. This is as fur, fur, far into the Alien timeline as we will get because everything beyond this point now is a prequel. So oh, yeah. This, this is as far as we go. Some thought that Alien 3 would be as far as we go because Ripley died, but she's back. Apparently. We'll find out why. Here we go. How did you... How did... We get you? Hard work. We used blood samples from Fiori 16 on ice where you died. We've remade you. We cloned you. Fiori 16. Does that ring a bell? Are you remembering something? Does it grow? Yeah. Very rapidly. It's a queen. How did you know that? She'll breed. You'll die. Everyone in the company will die. In the, in the, in the company? Wayland, Utani. Ripley A's former employers. Terran Growth Conglomerate. They had defense contracts under the military or they went under decades ago get them in way before your time bought out by walmart fortunes of war i think you will find that uh things have changed a great deal since your time i doubt that we're not flying blind here you know it's the united systems military not some greedy corporation oh well, it won't make any difference. You're still gonna die. How do you feel about that? 
Wish you could understand what we're trying to do here. The potential for this species goes way beyond urban pacification. New alloys, new vaccines. Nothing like this we've ever seen on any world floor. You should be very proud. Oh. I am. And the animal itself. Wondrous. Potential. Unbelievable. Once we've tamed them. <laughs> Roll over. Play dead. Heal. You can't teach it tricks. Why not? We're teaching you. This week, we are talking about 1997's Alien Resurrection, directed by Jean-Pierre Genet, written by Dan O'Bannon, Ronald Chusset, and the great Joss Whedon. Starring Sigourney Weaver as Ripley, Winona Ryder as Call, Dominique Pignon as Vries, Ron Perlman, Hellboy, as Johnner, Gary Dordan as Christy, Michael Wincott as Elgin, Kim Flowers as Hillard, Dan Hedaya, the great mm-hmm. Dan Hedaya, as it. General Perez, J.E. Freeman as Dr. Wren, and Brad DeReef as the creepiest scientist ever on film. Yeah, I didn't like him. <laughs> it's hard to like a guy that looks that weird. <laughs> uh, didn't you say he always plays like strange roles? <laughs> yeah, he's always a creep. Yeah. Uh, a little bit about the making of this film. The movie was made for about $75 million and brought in around $161 million worldwide, so most people agreed this was not good. <laughs> <laughs> Actor Ron Perlman nearly drowned while filming the underwater sequence. At one point, when trying to surface, he hit his head on a sprinkler in the ceiling, knocking him out cold. He was rescued by nearby film crew members. Oh, wow. Without that, we would have never had a Hellboy. Uh-oh. Which you never saw. No. <laughs> it's actually pretty cool. Yeah, that's what you all were saying. Yeah. Again, that was a, that was another one of those that was always on TNT. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was saying, yeah, or FX. It was like FX. the FX movie. FX or Spike. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Sigourney Weaver originally refused to do a fourth Alien film. I wonder why. When asked why she changed her mind, she replied, "They basically drove a dump truck full of money to my house." <laughs> <laughs> she did get like eleven million dollars just for a producer's credit on this. Really? Oh yeah. Golly. Uh, Winona Ryder agreed to do this film even before reading the script. She stated that she didn't care if she died in the first scene. She'd do it. She would do it. Ryder claimed that then she could boast about being in an alien movie to her younger brothers. That's funny. That's a fan right there. That's really funny. Yeah. Uh, Director Jean-Pierre Genet spoke almost no English at the time of shooting and had translators on set at all times. By the time the special edition DVD was released in 2003, he had learned enough English to record a director's commentary. Just in time. Yeah, just in time for all that direction. <laughs> have you watched that? I have not. No. Let uh, me know what it is, how it is. Yeah. The original idea for the movie was for Newt, the little girl from Aliens, to be cloned, not Ripley. Oh, that would have been cool. She was to have considerable strength and fighting skills, so Joss Whedon was brought in as he had experience writing an action series featuring a young heroine with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Whedon wrote a 30-page story treatment, but the studio was concerned that fans would not accept an alien movie without the Ellen Ripley character. When Sigourney Weaver agreed to reprise her role for $11 million, Whedon's initial story was scrapped, so he rewrote it with a focus on a cloned Ripley. I, I kind of would have liked it the other way around. Yeah, same here. We The fact that the, they were worried about not accepting an alien movie without Ellen Ripley's character, well, they accepted the fact that they killed her off in Alien 3. Right. There was your acceptance. Yeah. I did like the the alone in the gym space jam sequence with Sigourney Weaver. So I mean if we got nothing else out of it, we got, <laughs> we that. got that. Basketball still exists in the year twenty three fifty seven or whatever. Star. 
the pr- in indoor chain nets. The production had trouble finding enough studio space, as major productions like Titanic, Starship Troopers, and The Lost World Jurassic Park were all taking up most of the available studio space in Hollywood at the time. I can understand that. But it seems like a pretty closed set anyway. Mm-hmm. There's, I mean, most of the Alien movies seem like closed sets you don't need a lot of space for. Right. The underwater sequence I can understand, though. Yeah, but I mean, the third one I feel like had a lot more like open space and with being outdoors a little bit. Yeah, I had some outdoorsy stuff. But I mean, this one, I don't remember them ever doing anything. Uh, Joss Whedon was unhappy with everything about the film. <laughs> <laughs> he later commented in 2005, it wasn't a question of doing everything differently, although they changed the ending. It was mostly a matter of doing everything wrong. They said the lines, but they said them all wrong. And they cast it wrong. And they designed it wrong. And they scored it wrong. They did everything wrong they could possibly do. That's actually a fascinating lesson in filmmaking. Because everything they did reflects back to the script, or it looks like something from it. And people assume that if I hated it, then they'd change the script. But it wasn't so much they changed it, they executed it in such a ghastly fashion, they rendered it unwatchable. Dang, Josh. <laughs> Well, there's a reason why he's got such vitriol for this, and that is he wrote this. He rewrote the script five times. In fact, the third act of the film was supposed to take place on Earth. Uh, and we'll get to that in a second. Although Jean-Pierre, Jean-Pierre Genet has stated to be proud of the film, he swore off Hollywood after his experience on it. <laughs> <laughs> and finally, this movie was originally going to be set up for a fifth film that was going to follow Ripley and Call back on Earth. Whedon was set to write it, and both Ridley Scott and James Cameron were attached at various points. None of this materialized when Fox Studio decided to make AVP, Alien vs. Predator, a crossover with the Predator franchise. Whedon later stated that he was no longer interested in making someone else's franchises anymore, instead focusing on projects of his own, which is ironic because then he jumped right into Marvel and did those movies. Yeah, I was just about to say, doesn't he do just a bunch of comic book stuff? Uh, He did, let's see, after that, it was, he did Avengers, he did Avengers Age of Ultron, what else is on his list? Do you have his IMDb? I've got you? Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Firefly. Okay, he he did uh, Serenity, Avengers, Agents, Agents, uh, Agents of Shield. Okay, he did Cabin in the Woods. Mm. Uh, Much Ado About Nothing. That's a that, yeah, well, that's a Shakespearean one. Mm. Um, but Cabin is his. Doctor Sha- Horrible's Sing Along. That's block. A, that's hysterical. Atlantis, The Lost Empire. Oh, not that. No, no, no. <laughs> Titan A.E. Uh, oh, oh! God, he did those. In, I saw that in theaters. I remember Titan A. Oh, good lord! Yikes. Okay, uh, so hey, Alien Resurrection, Joel. What's your history with this movie? Do you remember the first time you saw this movie? I remember Wednesday. <laughs> it was another Wednesday at the Sarah household. <laughs> I am doing it the right way. Yes, in order, one a week. <laughs> one a week. I don't know. It's fun. It's fun not having to wait years in between seeing one movie, and you just kind of get the progression as it. Not as it was meant to be seen, but it kind of like as it was meant to be seen. It, it saves you from binging these all on a weekend, right? And uh, honestly, it's—I mean, from your standpoint, it's got to be pretty cool to know that every week you're going to watch something that you may or may not have seen. Yes, and that you have to now. Yes. <laughs> I have to, regardless of what it is. If it's a if it's a bad movie, hey, you got us there for it. Yeah. Uh, for me, I saw this movie. Gosh, I think when I was high school, a high school friend of mine, and we thought it was awesome. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's, it's amazing what you think when you're 17, 18 years old. Uh, it's a lot when my kids tell me that Fast and Furious 8 was like the greatest movie ever made. And like, <laughs> I thought Alien Resur- Resurrection was also. Yeah. It's not. Uh, but, and I have here the synopsis of the movie, courtesy of Wikipedia, but I, it was so short 
we're going IMDb on this one. Yeah. We have we have to dig into the piece of shit that this is. <laughs> but I will I'll, I'll preface this by saying I'm not giving this a failing grade. Really? I know I gave Alien 3 an F. I can't give this an F. I couldn't give Alien 3 an F, so. Yeah, well. That must mean this is an A. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Hundreds of years after the events of Alien Cubed, doctors aboard a spaceship called the USN Auriga are working on a special project for the military. They have been attempting to produce a clone of Ellen Ripley working from a blood sample that was collected from Fiorina Fury 161, a planet where she died. I still have no clue how they got the blood sample. Joel, did they tell you anything in this movie that tell you how they got it? Man, they didn't tell us a thing. Not a damn thing. Just assume that they're right. If I didn't have you next to me when I'm watching this movie with these movies, mm-hmm. there'd be so much I missed out on. Well, yeah, because I there, you know, I'm sure I explain a lot of things when you've got questions. Or when I don't have questions, but I'm asking them in my head. Yeah. And because the initial thought is when you ask a question, you either sit there and wait for it or you just grab your phone and you check out IMDb. Yeah. While you're checking IMDb, things are happening on the screen that you're missing. Right. And so you need somebody to go, here, here, look now, look now, here, here it is. Yeah. Go look. And you're like, oh, oh my gosh, they can yeah. swim. Big information guy. <laughs> Sorry about it. Sabermetrics. No, hey, it, it's how we watch movies today. Yeah. You know, and I've noticed that a lot of people uh, who were born into the information age know how to multitask in a way where they just go, okay, there's nothing happening up there. Now's the time for me to check mm-hmm. what are my questions. When in reality, the things that are happening on the screen are things that you don't hear, like the alien subtle. swimming later on. Yeah. You know, if I didn't point it out, you'd been like, when did they start swimming? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, in doing so, uh, they hope that they can harvest the alien embryo, a queen of the species that was gestating inside of her at all time. Does that mean that when an alien is gestating, its DNA intertwines with the hosts? That's what it sounds like. Did that ever happen before? No. <laughs> I don't it, think so. Why is it happening now? <laughs> oh, man. I don't... Dude. Questions. There's so many questions. <laughs> uh, Dr. Wren and his team of colleagues have succeeded with their eighth attempt. They operate on the Ripley clone and remove the embryonic alien, which is still too small to struggle with the robotic arms used for the operation. After the alien is removed, Dr. Wren and his colleague, Dr. Gettyman, decide to keep the clone alive for further study. They repair the wound in her chest... As she recovers, she notices a numeral eight tattooed on one of her arms. Now, I personally, I love the surgery scene. What would you think of that? It was good. It was different. They, with these movies, they've taken, they've seen like they spend a lot of time and a lot of like mindful production on the anytime when they're cutting somebody open. Yeah, there seems like there's just a little bit more work put into those. The no attention matter. to detail, right? I mean, ugh, remember the last one where they just. Break that poor child open. Oh, God, yeah. That seemed so hard to watch. Oh, wait to see Prometheus. Uh, There's a surgery scene in there where you just be like, oh, my gosh, the detail on that is amazing. Yeah, but it's with that and even with the androids, they do gross so well in these movies. And I think I've said it for the last three podcasts, but they do gross so well. They nail it. Uh, yeah, it, I, I think it fits perfectly how the military organization would treat the species. It's very calculated. It's very non-humane they don't care about the host uh they just care about getting what they want and everything else is just a byproduct of whatever is going to happen yeah and when you think of the year it's like 2357 or something like that i don't know the exact year but if this is what we've been told for the last three movies the military was trying to do that's how i envision it right there yeah uh it's not anything more than that 
The Ripley clone begins to gain consciousness and mature at an unprecedented rate. The ship's doctors go through exercises with her regarding language and learning, and she responds positively. She also exhibits a frightening predator- predatory physical power, able to break her bonds and attack at will. The doctors and orderlies are only able to, only barely able to subdue her. The experiment angers General Perez, the great Dan Hedea, the military figure in charge of which has ca- also grown at a t- terrifying rate. It is now almost full size. I just totally beefed that. The military figure in charge of the operation who calls her a meat byproduct, he is only interested in the alien queen, which has also grown at a terrifying rate. It is now almost full size and is contained within a cell on the ship. Let's talk about General Perez. <laughs> He's the best. Why didn't he why wouldn't he end this longer? Yeah. I was pretty upset about that. Yeah. That that's a hard loss right there. Mm-hmm. Uh I put in there inconsistencies in what Ripley 8 can say, do, respond with, etc. You pointed that when we were like, wait, hold on a second. She can do all this, but she can't talk still. Yeah, that's, you know, <laughs> are we going to get to the scene where they're teaching her to talk or are we past that? That's now? it right there regarding language and learning. Oh, yes. Okay, so let's talk about that. <laughs> um, so they have her sitting at a table and they're like, dog. And mm-hmm. she says, dog. <laughs> and he says, fork. And she goes, fuck. <laughs> and then they say, well, actually, you are a byproduct of something or else, and this you do the vaccinations of your all this like medical talk, and she says, "Yes, well, I know this." I'm like, "Wait, <laughs> she went, she went from not being able to say fork yeah. to understanding the purpose behind vaccinations and why." It just didn't make any sense. Wasn't there, like, they did the scene with the, the flashcards first, where she was having trouble figuring out what they are. Yeah. Then they have a conversation with her, and then the next scene, she's eating, and she holds up the, the guy holds up the fork and goes, fork, and she goes, fuck. And it's like, she regressed. Yeah. What What the hell? <laughs> now, due to my personal experiences, it is possible to try to teach somebody and then regress as you teach okay. them more. <laughs> but not by, like, 80 IQ points. No. <laughs> And then she turns into, like, the most fluid-speaking person on the ship. Yeah. She's more knowledgeable than the crew that shows up later on. Golly, this is... Uh, I put in there Dan Hedaya. Is it Hedaya or Hedaya? I've always said Hedaya. Okay. Dan Hedaya as General Perez is great. I could listen to this man talk for hours. Mm-hmm. Mi casa su casa. He's, he's amazing. <laughs> and for a bunch of scientists and military personnel, they clearly don't understand how to subdue a prisoner. Like, you have this beast on your ship who's clearly stronger than everybody else. You know that she's growing at an unprecedented rate mentally and physically. And all you have her in her handcuffs? With nobody around the lunchroom to help out? At least they had guns on this ship. Yeah, this time they had guns. The last the last <laughs> high-security prison, they only had the sticks and silverware. <laughs> yes. Uh, the Ripley clone seems to sense what is going on. One day, she eats with Gettyman and Ren, and she reveals a startling flash of her former self. It seems as if the clone has retained some of Ripley's memories and personality traits. It is almost as if the woman herself has been recreated and is slowly awakening. Ripley has fragmented conversations with Gettyman. Gettyman tells her how they recreated her, and she intuitively guesses that they wanted the alien. Even in her dazed condition, she is cynical and tells them that they cannot control it. Everyone on the ship will die. Yes. We will all die. It's a queen. (laughs) (laughs) Enter the Betty, a ragtag ship carrying a crew of space pirates. Their cargo is the crew of another ship, 
still in their cryogenic containers and asleep, unaware that they have been hijacked. General Perez has hired the crew, led by Frank Elgin, to deliver the unfortunate sleeping travelers to be used for breeding the aliens. Before long, the kidnapped people have been impregnated with aliens, and a number of drone aliens are now in containment units on board the ship. Now, I thought that the, the drones were there ahead of time. Oh. Like, was that supposed to be that. time? That I thought that the, that the aliens they had they had in cages were already there, and that the new crew was going to breed more of them. Right. But they're saying now that time has clearly just skipped forward. And now they're big and large and all that. Yeah. What a gap. What the shit? <laughs> There's so much that's trying to be done in this movie. Like, they're trying to plug in all these little things, but none of them necessarily connect. It's almost like the director didn't speak English. It's almost, <laughs> it's almost as if the director, director doesn't speak English. It's almost, that's almost exactly what it is. Like, we didn't wrote the script in English, and he was like, I just need a translator. What the hell does this say? And somebody gave him a different translation. Yeah. Well, I mean, even you had to tell me in the movie, like, oh, that's the cargo. That was, like, the cargo they bring. I was like, oh, yeah, that wasn't very clear to me. <laughs> um, well, I had to say that because you looked down at your phone for a second, and they showed that scene. That's probably, that probably when I was like, oh, what's, uh, what's this guy from? Oh, he's from the most recent season of 24. He's the bad guy. Christy, right? Um, the black guy with the dreads. Oh, no, that was the one from CSI. CSI, okay. No, the uh, captain of that ship was the... Uh, oh, terrorist El from the most recent Jack Bauer season of 24. Okay. Because that's what I do in movies. I just make connections. <laughs> even though I don't know the names of any of the characters. But you learn the names of the actors. I'm very good at the six degrees to Kevin Bacon. Oh. That was my skill in high school. That's what I would do like senior year. I would just, I'd like, turn to my left. Mm -hmm. Hey, give me an actor. I'd turn to my right. Like, hey, give me an actor. Oh, we should play that game on, on the show at one point. Oh, that'd be fun. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> uh, in fact, at the end of this... I'll pick an art and a person from here. We'll see if you can do it. Okay. Okay. Uh, the Betty crew find Ripley exercising in a rec center, tossing a basketball around because in 2357, basketball still exists. <laughs> Using chain nets inside. Ja yeah, chain nets, exactly. <laughs> Johnner, one of the Betty's crew and a brutish scarred man, attempts to engage her in a predatory manner of flirting. But Ripley easily outmaneuvers and fights back against him and one of his comrades, Christy, and proves herself to be physically powerful beyond their expectations. At one point, her nose is bloodied. When she wipes off the blood and flicks it onto the floor, it begins to dissolve the surface, much like the blood of the aliens. That was pretty sweet. That was pretty sweet. This is our first indication that her blood is acidic. And I find this very interesting because what part of her, what, like, how much of her is human, how much of her is not? Because if she's. That means her veins are not human. They have to be alien. Right. And I've thought about that just... Well, actually, no. I've thought of I just now thought of it. Like, how does the acid not hurt the alien, but a flamethrower does? Yeah. Acid, fire. That's... Plot well, holes. Exactly. Those are the things I think... Those are the leaps of faith you have to take with this alien species, because we did just make it up for fiction. That's true. But she is part alien. She's human. Humans have rules. Acid burns. <laughs> it just yeah. it does. You can't get around that. Right. Also, who knew the aliens were so good at basketball? I didn't. <laughs> A little basketball Jones going on in the From what I heard, she trained for like two weeks to make that shot. <laughs> and she was making him one out of six. Which It's not bad. Couldn't you just do that in like six takes? Be like, just keep throwing it over your head and we'll get it. You could. <laughs> Did you need to train for that long just to do that shot? <laughs> 
Apparently in France they don't have like Instagram and everything where people just like do trick shots over and over again until they get it right. Yeah. I mean, does the ball leave the the screen? No. It uh, so it stays in frame. I think so. Okay. If it stays in frame, okay. But if it stay goes out of frame, why did you train? Just have it stop and then go in. Yeah. Also, <laughs> one of the most predictable parts of this entire movie was oh, yeah. the moment she turned around I was like she's about to make buckets behind her back. <laughs> you called it out too. <laughs> <I was> like, <laughs> Because nothing says badass like being able to throw a basketball backwards into it. Right. Because <laughs> yeah. that's 1984, and this is the Fresh Prince of Bel Air. Listen, I know we've all, <laughs> like, we all are like, eh, but that guy can dunk, so I'm not going to mess with him. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the Betty's crew, a young wayfish girl named Annalie Call, which we never get her first name, we just call her Call, seems to have a different agenda. She slips away from the others and finds Ripley's containment unit, gaining illegal access to it. There she finds Ripley and wakes her up. Call admits that she came here to kill Ripley, but Ripley is far too cunning to allow that. She even deliberately presses her hand onto Call's knife. The resulting wound heals itself rapidly and her blood corrodes the blade. Call can tell that the doctors have removed the alien embryo already, and she tells Ripley that she is just a clone, something the doctors consider only a byproduct. Ripley seems confused and hurt by this, but she knows it is true. She releases Call, who goes outside the cell only to be intercepted by guards and Dr. Wren. Now, I have a feeling that this moment between Ryder and Weaver was supposed to mean more if there were more movies after this one. Yeah. Kind of like a metaphorical passing of the torch from one female hero into the next. Right. I agree. It's a very, very, it's an intimate scene between these two characters. At one point, doesn't Ripley like put her hands on Call's face and, yeah. you know, she's moving very alien like on her? Yeah. But I saw this and I was like, okay, Call's the next hero. You don't get Winona Ryder just for one movie at this time. Right. Which, if you're Winona Ryder, you're sitting, probably sitting there going, I'm kind of glad this was the last one. <laughs> but Maybe. What do you think of this whole scene that happened here? Um, I don't know how to really put it into words. It was she got cocooned. Remember, she opened up her little cocoon and got out. Yeah, that netting. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Um, <laughs> no, it's funny. In the alien movies, there are some very like human moments where people have interactions with people, and I think that's why we loved the mother daughter relationship from um Alien Two so much. Aliens, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so you don't, in these movies, you don't get a lot of just human to human, nothing's attacking them, dialogue, like, emotional moment. Yeah. It's usually one person just looking out for another and making a decision and running away from something. So this is kind of, I like this scene. I can't really, again, I I didn't take much away from it other than it was a nice change of pace from the constant running. The other thing is that I look at the scene and I think to myself, Our introduction to Call is that she's clearly the outcast on that ship. Everybody makes fun of her. Everybody's mocking her. No one listens to her. She is the Ripley of that ship. Yeah. And then you have this Ripley who is an outcast in her own species. She's not an alien. She's not a human. She is just that over there. So you have two outcasts coming together. We don't know Call's secret yet. Right. Uh, But we'll get to that later. But... There's a very fundamental thing that happens here that I think that they totally missed an opportunity to do that that would save Call's character later on. So we'll get to that in a second. 
Uh, Ren is furious about calls trespassing, and he attempts to execute the crew of the Betty as terrorists. The Betty's crew has a battle with soldiers who have orders to execute them. And if you remember, Christie's got those two guns, and he kind of he can, yeah. he's Mister Ricochet. Yeah, <laughs> Ricochet. He's bullets. dead shot. He's dead shot. Yeah, he's dead shot. <laughs> Uh, Gettyman, who is experimenting with adult aliens in a cell, inadvertently teaches them how to use the pacifying equipment in the cell, which sprays freezing gas. Brad Dereef is just plain gross with his interaction with one of the aliens, practically licking the glass. Yeah. That... <laughs> he, dude, he plays a creep so well, though. Oh, he, yeah, everything he does. What, what was he in? You said... Two Towers. Two, thank you. He was... He, uh, what was his name? Uh, Wormwood. Wormwood? Worm tongue. Worm tongue. Grima worm tongue. Yes. Gosh, he is the worst. But he's very. He's honestly, he's one of the better characters in this movie. Mm-hmm. As far as you be, you one hundred percent believe him. And f- could you say that Brad Dereef is one of the best character actors we've ever had? Yeah. I mean, from that, he's the voice of Chucky. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, I I don't know what else he's been in, but every time I see him, he always plays a very uniquely creepy person. Mm-hmm. But it's unique. You don't say they're all the same. Right. Um, That's a good point. Wormtongue is different than this scientist right here. Yes. Uh, But yeah, he's really weird. But after that moment, the aliens revolt. And two of them gang up on a third and kill it, causing its acid blood to eat through the floor of the containment unit. Smart. Something we hadn't seen before. No, We've seen two things we haven't seen before. We've seen the acid blood hit the ground and start to go through from Ripley. And then this moment. Two moments where you were sitting there going, oh, Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, has is snatched away by one of the aliens. Now loose, the aliens quickly begin to take over the ship, and they are not screwing around. They it's kill, 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 kill. Ripley escapes from her cell when aliens begin to break through the door. The ship goes into emergency mode, and some people escape in life pods. The unfortunate ones are killed by aliens. The crew of the Betty bands together, but Captain Elgin is killed by the creatures. And it's at this point that Joel remarks, who's the android? Yeah. That's when you first brought it up. You're like, which one's the android? Because you need one. Yeah. Uh, we, that's when we start talking about it. There's, there's something that all of these movies have. Mm-hmm. And to this point, we didn't have a chestburster, an android. <laughs> uh, we had our surgery. Yep. Uh, we hadn't had our face sucker yet. No, yeah, we did. Yep. Yeah, we did. We mm-hmm. had our, But... That's I did. It was like there has to be one. Yeah, and I'm sitting there biting my tongue the entire time because I was like, "Oh, it's coming soon." <laughs> but yeah, who's the android going to be? But you also made another point, which is that they aren't messing around killing people off. Dang, Dan. Yeah. <sighs> poor, poor, poor Dan Hedaya saw his own brain. Yeah, he sure did. That was ugh, I didn't like that. He sa- Well, he he saves the demise of one group by throwing a grenade into the what do you call it? Uh, little escape, escape pod. pod. But then afterwards, he kind of salutes the crew that he's about to blow up. And the alien comes behind him and just little mouths him Zoink. in the back Zoink. of the head. And he stands oh. there, reaches back, and pulls out some oh. of his brain to look at. <laughs> telling you, does it does gross better than any, many movies I've seen? They know gross. They know gross. <laughs> Too uh, bad Dan had to go so soon, though. Yeah. Uh, so while everybody's doing this, Rick, Elgin dies. He dies. He's being sucked into the floor, basically. And he gets eaten up, basically. The crew sees him, says, oh, no. The alien's right there, chowing down on him. And Ripley puts a gun through Elgin's chest from below and blows the alien's head away. <laughs> and then climbs up. And it's like, oh, there's Ripley. Now she's a part of the crew. Yeah. 
She's fully functional now. She oh, yeah. speaks perfect English and knows how to shoot guns. It, it, amazing. You know what? You would have thought on that set she would have learned French first. You would have thought. <laughs> <laughs> Unless we are incorrect on that. <laughs> Ripley joins Call and the others as they make their way across the Auriga to the bay where the Betty is docked. Ripley also discovers that the Auriga is actually moving. Ren scoffs, saying she couldn't possibly know because the ship is equipped with stealth run. However, Ripley's heightened senses are correct. The ship is moving, traveling rapidly back to home base, Earth. The crew of the Betty is disheartened since Earth has become a polluted wasteland, much like Wally. They take Ren with them, although he is more of a hostage. Why are they still bringing him along? Yeah. <laughs> that bothered me. Why bring this guy along? He's been nothing but a pain the whole movie. Yeah. Uh, along the way, they find the laboratory where Gettyman and the others created the Ripley clones. Inside are the previous seven attempts, all of them hideously deformed and bizarre human-alien hybrids. Pretty sick. Six are dead and contained in stasis tubes, but the seventh attempt is the most heartbreaking. She is human enough to be identifiable, yet her limbs and her body are misshapen and alien. Even worse, she's still living, kept alive by tubes and ventilators. Ripley 8 is horrified, realizing how now exactly what she is and where she came from. Ripley 7, the one on the table, begs her to kill her, and Ripley 8 Uses your flamethrower. You got to have one of yep. those. Yeah, you had to have one. Uses a flamethrower and grenades to destroy the other clones. Ren is morbidly amused by her inner turmoil over her bizarre identity, and Ripley 8 looks at him in utter rage and disgust. I love this scene. It's probably the best acting that Weaver does in this whole movie. Mm -hmm. uh, but then you have, in the middle of the sci-fi horror film, let's get preachy about experimenting on organisms with feelings. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that, this is a good scene. That was okay with kind of the realizing that they are just a bunch of soulless, heartless mm -hmm. military scientists that are doing what they're told for political, or I'm sure mon like money gain. Yeah. Uh, I love seeing all the different iterations of this, like how it starts at one point and it gets progressively more and more human. Yeah. And I thought that was a really cool thing that the, the special effects guys did was find a way to bridge how Ripley is a half-breed between alien and human and then the alien itself. How did you get to that point? Well, here are the evolutionary steps. Like right. you see, like the monkey to man. Yeah. One of those things. Uh, question. Is there a kill me in every single movie too? Oh, let's see. An alien? There, there is an alien. It, there is an alien. When? Um, it's the very first time you see the nest. An alien? I'm pretty sure. Where all of them are stuck in that the queen's nest or whatever. Oh, that was in Aliens. I could have sworn, sworn it was Alien. Alien was, they were all killed off one at a time. Nobody was ever cocooned. There was never an egg. I mean, we saw one. We saw that land of eggs that attached to the one guy's astronaut face, and they bring him in. I could have sworn that there was a kill me in the first one. Um, I'll have to go back and look at that. That'd be interesting to know. Yeah, we'll I don't a, know. We'll put a list together. There was a kill me in Predator. Kill me! Do me now! Do it! Come on! <laughs> um, you piece of in shit! In Alien, there in Aliens there was when they saw Dallas or not Dallas, one of the survivors of that planet cocoon on the wall, and they lift her head up with the gun, and she goes, "Kill me!" Right. That's the first time you see the chest burster come out in that one. Oh. Uh, in Alien Three, is there a kill me in that? Hmm. Um. Has anybody ever cocooned in Alien 3? 
Alien Cube. Oh, Alien Cube. No, you're talking oh, about yeah, Alien, Alien Cube. Cube. I'm oh, sorry. sorry. Yeah, no. I don't know. Listeners, if you're... My mistake. If you're watching these <laughs> with us, let us know. Yes. That'd be interesting to know. Uh, Yeah. So, oh, yes, there is. Well, it's more of a statement. Ripley asks uh, the one guy to kill her. Yeah. There it is. Uh, Okay. Mystery solved. Yeah. Thanks, Scooby. We did it. <laughs> the crew makes another strange discovery. The room containing what's left of the hijacked crew that the Betty crew delivered to General Perez. One of the crew members, Purvis, is still alive. But Ripley suggests they leave him behind. She can sense that he is gestating an embry- alien embryo, having been impregnated by a facehugger. Call insists that they bring him along, that perhaps if they make it to the Betty in time, they can put him in cryostasis long enough for some sort of surgery to be performed on him. So hold on. They know the ship is going to Earth, but Call wants to bring the host home to Earth in cryostasis so they can remove the alien on Earth. When in reality, didn't she go there to kill them so they wouldn't get to Earth? Yes. Yes, that is what happened. Uh, plot hole. Yeah. <laughs> also, Dallas in the director's cut said, kill me. In Aliens. Alien. Dallas wasn't in the Aliens. Oh, no. Dallas was in Aliens. Hmm. What? Wait. Dallas was in Aliens? Dallas? As alien. <gasps> Dallas was an alien. Because I thought he was the first one to say, kill me. Tom Skerritt, right? Yeah. He did say it in the... Yet, oh, look at... I, I've been schooled. <laughs> See, I don't remember names. I don't remember much, but it, I'm uh, full of useless information that sometimes clicks. But no, Joel's knowledge. Jolly. <laughs> <laughs> but no, yeah, it's another plot hole. There's so much in this movie that's... And I'll get to it and what... Maddening? I'll get to it and what doesn't work. <laughs> but... There's so many things. It's like, that's a great idea that you executed poorly, which might be what our friend Sweden, Joss Sweden. Joss Sweden? It is one name, Joss Sweden. Um, what he talked about, he's like, oh, yeah, we had everything. They just executed it mm-hmm. like a like a moist garbage bag. <laughs> <laughs> what an appropriate word for this film, moist. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> a hitch in their escape plan occurs when they find they are forced to traverse the mess hall. Unfortunately, it is completely underwater now due to a flood that occurred during the chaos of the alien escape. Where did all the water come from? Dude, They're in I, space. Oh, man, that's such a good point. I don't know. <laughs> Vries has to leave his powered wheelchair behind and is harnessed to Christie's back. Everyone must hold their breath for a painful amount of time, and Sabra Hillard, or Hillard from the Betty is snatched along the way by aliens that emerge, swimming after her. Ripley watches, strangely fascinated by the creatures. Now, one of my biggest problems in movies is when people who are never near water at all in their lives can hold their breaths for inhuman amounts of time. Mm-hmm. I can't stand mm-hmm. that. Bothers, bothers me to this day. Yeah. This scene is my second favorite, however, because we can see the alien swim, and they move like eels. Yeah. Like, this is... An, I will say this about the alien franchise. Regardless of how you feel about how they evolve, because I think we can all agree, the first two... Great films. The second two, less than, but are still watchable. Regardless, the alien, they always find something new to do with it. And it works. It's not something outrageous. Mm-hmm. You can see how it could swim. It's built kind of swimmingly. It's got that sleek nice. look to it. So, thought. Probably. Um, <laughs> You're not sure if it's a thought? <laughs> no, I, I think the answer is going to be, yeah, obviously they will. 
But each movie that you sing, you're saying that they're releasing a little bit more about the alien, a little bit more, a little bit more what can do, whether it's an adaptation or it's just something we haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. Do you think in this next movie we're going to watch, there's just going to be a bunch of stuff that we had no idea that the alien could do? Or do you think we've seen the extent of what it's uh, capable of? In Prometheus? Oh, crap. We still have to see Prometheus. Yeah. Um, no, the... In the Covenant. Covenant. Well, it looks like we're going to see a fully formed alien. I'm sure we're going to see it do something that we hadn't seen it before. Because we've never seen it jump on top of a jet until the preview came out. Yeah, and bang its head against a glass w- window to scare uh, eastbound and down. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm sure we'll see something new there. Uh, because you got to here's the thing with this creature, you have to constantly make it adapt and evolve to make it more and more menacing. Because that's the biggest. That's what makes it so amazing is that. You can't just pin it down with one way to get rid of it. The only way to get rid of this stupid thing is through an airlock every time. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I hope we do. Uh, Let's see. When they emerge on the other other side of the tunnel, they find that they have been ambushed. The shaft leading upwards from the mess hall has been festooned, I love that word, with alien eggs, with which eject face huggers at the humans. Ripley gets one on her face, but her inhuman strength allows her to rip it away from herself, something she could not do in Aliens. Grenades clear the shaft of eggs and allows the crew to climb the ladder to the top, but an alien emerges from the water and attacks. When Call and Ren reach the top of the shaft first, Ren talks her into giving him her, her gun and shoots her in the chest. Her body falls back down into the water and drifts away. Ripley is horrified as she has found something strangely compelling about Call. Christy is wounded and grabbed by an alien and then sacrifices his life to give Vreese a chance to get away. Ren has escaped the shaft and sealed everyone else inside, but the door eventually opens again from the other side. Call has somehow survived the gunshot and rescued them. Now some positives. These are great visuals for this scene. I love the way that that layer on top of the water looks. Ugh. Yeah, yeah. It's out this you- is, is this the grossest movie out of all of them? Uh, out of the four that we've seen so far, mm-hmm. uh, I it might be. It's got it's definitely the most veiny. Yeah, a lot of veins and things in yeah. this. It looks like you. It, it's, it's most diverse. Let's say that <laughs> there, yeah, there are very that. gross things in all of them. This one has a little. Let's keep the show PG thirteen. It's the most diverse and veiny, if you will. Yeah, yeah, veiny, veiny. Uh, the camera angles are great in this scene. I love the shots looking down the ladder. Mm-hmm. Uh, the action's cool, but can't Christy just kick the alien's hand off of one of his feet with the other foot? Instead, he kills himself. And who taught Vries how to hold on to a ladder? You were yelling at that at the screen. You were like, wrap your arm around yeah. the ladder. <laughs> Fingertips? Really? Your elbow. <laughs> and yeah, give the evil guy the gun. What's called? She's an idiot. Shouldn't she know better? She should know better. These are dumb choices for a director to make. <laughs> yes. Uh, Ripley is not fooled, as she knows she saw Call get shot in the chest at close range. She makes Call show everyone the wound, revealing wires and white android blood. Fooled you. <laughs> Here, I'll give you echo on that one. Go. Fooled you. <laughs> There's your android, Joel. There's the android. Uh, oh, I hate, I hate that substance inside of every android. It, yeah. Now that you've pointed it out, it kind of grosses me out. Every time it looks like they just um, <laughs> cut open a tauntaun or whatever they're called. <laughs> yes. That. Yeah. Yeah. 
Call confesses that she is one of a legendary second generation of androids who were so lifelike that they gained consciousness and rebelled, burning their internal wireless modems and trying to pass themselves as human. Isn't that the background plot, the Terminator? A little bit. All right. The soldier, <laughs> <laughs> the soldier Vincent Stefano, and if you don't know who he is, watch Training Day, who is with them is geeked about actually seeing this kind of android. Call seems humiliated that her secret has been discovered. Ripley now understands why she feels a kinship with Call. Both of them are some, somehow artificial. Creatures that have been created in the likeness of human beings, but who are distinctively different. Let's talk about Vincent for a minute. Okay. Been in the whole movie. Just now, we're actually seeing him. And gets his first line, Good even though he's line. been with the team the whole time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and he's, I mean, it, it's this movie is very funny. It's a very funny movie. It, it, it's funny in the way that you said they're going, that's a funny choice. <laughs> I mean, we are over an hour and 20 minutes into the movie at this point. We're like, <laughs> oh, Vincent, the guy from Breaking Bad and Better Call Saul. <laughs> Forgot he was in the movie. Yes. Now that we lost the dude from CSI, we might as well throw in another cable dude. <laughs> yeah, and this is something that I want to point out is that, yeah, they talk about the kinship between the two, but there, there's still one major difference, and that is uh, an organism with emotions and the other is an android that shouldn't feel things like humility. It's programmed to make it look like it can feel humility, but it can't feel them. Uh to think that there's a kinship is just trying to connect Ripley to something in some way. It's not real. This moment works better before Ripley knows Call is an android. You have this moment beforehand. You don't have it after. Then when they reveal Call's secret, Ripley can see that she is truly alone. And it makes her choice to save humans rather than aliens even more spectacular at the end of the film. This makes me think of Gene Hackman's scene in uh, The Replacement where he has the rolled up paper and he's like slapping himself in the chest. He's like, gotta have heart. Gotta have heart. Gotta have heart. Yes. Guess what androids don't have? Hearts. <laughs> they, <laughs> they are robots. They have pumps. <laughs> we have gone through so much trouble in this saga <laughs> to save robots. <laughs> <laughs> Things that aren't alive. Mm-hmm. Whatever. Let's go. Let's At least going. it's not a cat, right? At least it, Oh, man. You miss Poor, Jonesy? I miss Jonesy. <laughs> Knowing Call's capabilities, Ripley takes her to a small chapel where they find a computer interface. Although Call does not want to make use of her Android functions, Ripley urges her to take over the Origo's computer. Call discovers that the Origo went into emergency mode after the attack. It is now automatically returning to Earth, where surely the aliens will escape and infect the human race. But isn't Earth supposed to be a wasteland already? Who's still there? Are we even still there? Who, uh, where are we now? <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's What did you say, like, in the director's cut, they're headed toward, are you going to get to that? Oh, yeah, we'll get to it, yeah. Okay. Uh, the ship has burned too much energy for Call to make critical mass and blow it, so Ripley tells her to crash the ship. Call blocks Ren from reaching the Betty and makes a sarcastic announcement summoning all aliens to the deck where he is. <laughs> all right, that's funny. Was. <laughs> but like what what's the tone they're going for in this movie I exactly no no sorry in this franchise what is the tone <laughs> they're going for in this franchise uh call reveals that before the recall she accessed the mainframe and discovered the plans that general perez had for cultivating the aliens by cloning ripley her personal mission was to destroy the operation and keep this from happening as she understands that the aliens will wipe out humankind they beat us over the head with this idea we know already right cool Zone. Oh, what if, in fact, at the end of the movie, it wasn't the aliens that were the enemy, but all of the Ripley clones got loose? Oh, 
just a bunch of like little sluggish giant heads with tiny little arms trying to like crawl <laughs> around the hallways. I'd watch that as a half hour short. Yeah. <laughs> it's at this point where the movie, in my eyes, just completely hops off the rails. One, well, <laughs> mm. like I'm buying in still. There's, I'm still okay. Let's see what the, and it's at this point where I go, I'm done. I will tell you the moment that I just, hands up, I'm out. <laughs> okay. Continue. When they set out for the Betty again, Ripley is snatched through the floor grating by her aliens. Her connection to the creatures comes full circle. They recognize her as one of their own and take her to the nest, which is crawling with aliens and which also contains the queen. Gettyman is there as well, cocooned and delirious, and he tells Ripley that the queen inherited Ripley's human reproductive cycle. After laying her first round of eggs, she gives birth as a human being would, developing a strange uterus-like pod and birthing a bizarre creature that resembles a human being crossed with an alien. I'm out. (laughs) That was done. I might have jumped too soon. Your next sentence, that was when I was like... This newborn kills the queen and embraces Ripley as its mother. With the hardest right hook in any movie. Southpaw. Did well now that also because he's a lefty, but didn't have a right hook this strong. Baby comes out of the womb, apparently so strong, mm-hmm. and just like open hand slaps the jaw right off of the queen. That's all it takes. We haven't seen a bitch slaps like that since Ripley did it with the big motor thing, the big lift she was in yes. with the queen. But it was an open hand slap to the bottom of the jaw completely takes it off. Mm-hmm. And the alien collapses. We didn't know this whole time. All you had to do is catch an alien in the jaw and they're out. <laughs> We've been wasting our time with flamethrowers, with air ducts, with all this stuff. All we really had to do was just pop them once in the jaw. Just one good hit. One good one. One good hit will do it. One, one hit will take care of it. Ripley escaped. Oh, no. It attacks Gettyman, biting off the top of his head because we got to get rid of him, too. <clears throat> uh, Ripley escapes the nest and races to rejoin the others as the Betty takes off. She makes it just in time, making an impossibly long leap from the deck to the ship. But being that she's part alien, okay. With their pilots dead, Ripley seems to be the only one of them who has the experience to fly the ship. She's got that memory too, I guess. Fork. <laughs> there is a final confrontation when Call goes to the closed to close the bay door and discovers the newborn has stowed away. We'll get into this in a few minutes. She barely manages to evade it. Stefano, remember him, comes into the bay and is killed just staring at the alien. <laughs> didn't you say it one point? You were like, you're just looking at it. Yeah. Shoot it. <laughs> uh, Ripley senses that something is wrong and comes back to find the newborn cornering call. She distracts it by speaking soothingly to it. It trusts Ripley as it thinks she is its mother. She, de- she deliberately cuts her hand on its sharp teeth and flicks her acidic blood onto a glass porthole. Smart. Her blood dissolves a hole in the glass, de- depressurizing the cabin and sucking the newborn onto the window. It's probably a good thing she was such a good basketball player because that shot she took with her blood <laughs> hit right on the window. <laughs> I just thought about that. I was like, yeah, I, I get the tie-in now. Okay. But it doesn't burn the human skin. No, it does not. But it cuts right through glass mm-hmm. and steel. Glass and steel. Now, if you hit her with a knife, she. Yeah, I'm just. It's just science. I'm not worried about it. 
It hovers there pitifully as it is slowly drawn violently out through the tiny hole. Ripley feels torn between her desire to exterminate the species and the loyalty she feels towards them since she has their DNA. She watches in horror as the newborn is slowly destroyed, aware that it is dying. By being sucked out of a window by its ass. By its ass. Uh, it's a gross, another gross scene, but kind of well shot. Yeah. I, I wish we would have had a camera up for that scene when I was watching it, because I can't remember what I did. Yeah. But in the, on the inside, I was like, what? Yeah, it feel good. Yeah. <laughs> What's happening? The Auriga crashes on Earth and is destroyed. The bed. Now, here's the thing. Is, it, is the Betty gone? Because I was like, I thought the Betty was still on the ship. I've honestly, I totally forgot the Betty was even on the ship until we started <laughs> reading the summary. Yeah. It's uh, just, they're. <laughs> they, it's like there's scenes missing. They're doing too much. <laughs> trying to do too much. The Betty breaches Earth's atmosphere safely, and Ripley and Call look out the porthole at the clouds and the sun, dazed by their experience and wondering what the future will hold for both of them. Neither one has been to Earth before. And in the director's cut, well, not, no, in the special edition, you actually see Earth's wasteland, and the Eiffel Tower has been destroyed. Hmm. Yes. And then the movie ends. <laughs> uh, so, Joel, you've seen the movie. What did you think after watching this film? <laughs> I thought it was a lot of good ideas that were poorly executed. Yeah. There's a lot of good that could have come from this, but they couldn't they didn't pull the trigger on really any of them. That's what I thought. And this is better than Alien 3, but it still has a lot of problems. That's what I thought. The the weirdest part is like I'm the total opposite. Really? I think that but I also think it's because I think Alien Cubed was so bad. Yeah. That you just had to love it. It was the Sharknado of the whole franchise. Okay. Uh, did the awards get it right? Well, clearly, because yep. they got no Academy <laughs> Awards or Golden Globe nominations, so there you go. Uh, what worked well in this movie for you and your favorite parts? I'll start. Uh, they tried to do different things with this alien. Swimming, better CGI. I love the laboratory scene where Ripley sees all the different iterations of her DNA. And anything that Dan Hedaya says are my favorite parts. Yeah. Joel? I'm going to fully agree with you on anything Dan Hedaya says. Um... They try to do different things. Every we just talked about every movie has a little bit of the same thing over mm-hmm. and over again. But this one, you know, you they don't rely fully on chest bursting and they don't rely fully on face suckers. And they take what we've learned and they apply it to a much more grand and a much more grand scheme. Okay. You have the face suckers, but instead of the unpredictability of the aliens, you have the fallen human, and he they are artificially, not artificially, they are making sure, they're planting the face suckers okay. to where they, it, it, the aliens aren't the bad guys in this movie. No, they really aren't. And that's what I like about this one. Yeah. Aliens are not the bad guys. Okay. Uh, what didn't work, oh, I'm sorry, what, yeah, what didn't work in this movie for you? You want to start it or me? Uh, you go ahead. Okay. The alien birth scene. This just looks so dumb. So dumb. It's hard to believe that they thought this would be a good idea. It's already a perfect being. Why did you weaken it? There is no leader of the group either on the crew. Is it the captain? Ripley? Call? Hellboy? <laughs> I have no clue. I have no clue who the leader of this group is. Joel, what about you? Um, Just the <laughs> day crescendo, day of, crescendo. This, of this entire movie. It is, for you music people, it's where you start off loud 
and slowly turned to nothing. Okay. That's what this movie was for me. It's I was intrigued in the very beginning. I thought that it was interesting that they were doing the cloning and all of this, and I liked that they were bringing in that crew from the outside, and the casting was great. That's something yeah. they did that was well, that it was done well. But as the movie goes on, you're given these great, great, loud, if you will, ideas in the beginning, but they're never played out. And so everything, they just keep trying to throw small things at you, but they don't fully connect until at the end you have this white alien human baby, <laughs> and you're just so confused on the direction of this movie where it was going that yeah. then they land on earth and the movie's over. I agree. Uh, who is the audience of this movie? I say completionists. Ditto. All right. <laughs> uh, movie report card. You want to start this time? Yeah. Go for um, it. I need to go back and look at what I gave alien cubed. I can want to say that I gave it a C plus. I can look that up right now. Alien cubed. You gave that. A, uh, getting there, getting there, getting there, getting there. Alien Cube. It was a D. You gave it a D. I gave it a D. Yes, you did. Huh? Interesting. Oh, dang then. Um, <laughs> then this one has to be. You're gonna go there. Do it. <clears throat> Pull the trigger. I, I have to give it a D minus. Oh, okay. D minus. Um, what helped Alien Cubed entirely was who I watched it with. <laughs> so maybe I'll get JC. <laughs> yeah, you and JC. Yes. And you know, no, I'm gonna give it a D. A plain oh, D. Oh, okay, all right. I'm gonna give it a plain D because I don't necessarily regret watching it. Mm-hmm. I'm probably not gonna watch it again. Mm-hmm. It wasn't bad it's just it wasn't good it was not an average movie that you would go see in a theater and say that was a put together movie there were a lot of holes there were a lot of gaps there were just it was a box you remember connects oh yeah yeah it was nothing but connects rods with nothing to hook them together (laughs) no joints (laughs) yeah you had everything to make something really cool there's no there were no joints there's nothing to put them together yeah that's what this movie is. <laughs> it is nothing but the rods from a Connect set. Okay. All so right. So that it's a D. Okay. Uh for me, this movie is not a complete failure. Alien 3 was. I gave that an F. The story is cohesive. And for the first two thirds, it's engaging. However, the biggest flaw in this movie is its resolution. From the moment Ripley 8 is abducted by the aliens, it is a complete and utter betrayal of the menacing nature of the alien species. What made the aliens so scary wasn't that people admired it. It was that you, the audience, started to admire its perfection also. All it needed was a host, and it was a pure killing machine. It laid eggs by the hundreds. Now they have a queen that can give birth to one at a time, and in its weakened state, the baby killed the queen. This is not scary anymore. Gross? Yes. yes. Horror? No. Even having the baby die by getting its ass sucked out of a window is a stupid way to, once again, shoot an alien out an airlock. It's, it's, it's been done. Just once in these four movies, I want to see the alien actually climb aboard the ship it's stowed on. We never see it climb on ever. It somehow got on board an alien, and again in Aliens. But to do it in that secretive way again is just asking too much. The newborn moves slowly. 
showing us that it could move fast would make this a believable premise. After all, it seems like Ripley covers what I think is the length of the ship in less than two minutes, full-on sprinting, and then leaping across a platform that is widening. How does the alien get on board? She left it behind. Yeah. The characters have moments, but you don't really care about too many of them as they start to die. Now, it does have good moments. The CGI is improved in this film, and the idea of scientists breeding aliens and watching this done in a very scientific way looks fantastic. I feel like the storyboards for this were all the story they used. Because there was no English involved, probably. <laughs> this really shows the weaknesses of Jean-Pierre Genet as a sci-fi director. Did he rebound a few years later with Amelie? Yes. But this was not the right choice for this franchise. Heck, this franchise didn't need a fourth film. However, they made one. It's not nearly as laughable as Alien 3, but it's also a very below-average movie from the direction, acting, and plot. I'm giving this a D, and I cannot wait to get to Prometheus next week when Ridley Scott comes back. Yeah, I'm really excited for the movie to be good again. Yeah, it, 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 compared to what you've seen the last two, it has. <laughs> and I will say this also. Uh, regardless of how we've graded these movies, one thing that you said to me, when you left my house, was you're glad you're watching this franchise? Yeah, no, you I just watched. Two, I really two movies that are landmark in Alien and Aliens, and two which are universe well, ninety five percent panned by people in Alien Three and Alien uh, Four, and it's still an enjoyable series to watch for some reason. Yeah, I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be honest. Like this is a movie obviously I've said I've stayed away from. Yeah. growing up because I just didn't like gross things to be jump scared. I was I love just funny movies, so yeah. I've, that's all I watched. I've loved watching this series and just getting invested into one thing and learning more about it. And it's been fun watching it with you guys because you get to I get to see it from a different viewpoint. But I don't know. I'm it's a it's a fun uh franchise to go through. And I'm really I'm really excited now to be to see it get back to being done well. And yeah. I'm really, really excited to see Kenny Powers in <laughs> Yes. Uh, in two weeks, you get to see your Kenny Powers. I'm so, I really am excited. Yeah. And I remember when we first started talking about that movie, we were kind of worried about whether he was going to be like, you know, Kenny Powers. And it looks right. like he's not going to be. I mean, he's, right. it looks like his personality is going to fit in that crew for right. what it's supposed to be. Right. Almost like a when Chris Pratt did Zero Dark Thirty. Yes. It's still him turning his jokes, saying things, but he's there for a purpose. Right. Uh, so, going to the category that uh, JC bestowed upon us, with a great idea here, if this movie was released on Blu-ray, would you buy it, bin it, stream it, borrow it, or forget about it? Joel? Uh, I'd borrow it. Okay. I'd borrow it if I'd never seen it before. But yeah. if if I'd already seen it and someone's like, hey, I got I got Alien 4 on Blu-ray, I mean, mm -hmm. have fun. Yeah. <laughs> Keep it. I'm a fan of the franchise because I think the Alien is very, very compelling. And... I, I even put borrow it on this one. Let's not forget about it because you want to see the alien do something more, and you get that in this. Yeah. So you get a little bit more to it, and it's not completely unwatchable. Right. It has great moments in it. It's just, you're right. You said earlier, it's a series of moments that have no connective tissue. Yeah. Uh, so, okay, there we go. That's all I got time for today, Movie Planeteers. You can email the Movie Planet using the address movieplanetpodcast at gmail.com. Don't forget to pass the word on to your friends about the show. Subscribe on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Overcast, Podbean, or Spotify, and help the show get on its feet with a four or five star review. 
tweet with any questions, comments, theories, and I'll try to fit them into the show next time we're on the air. Send those tweets to at MoviePlanetPod and like us on Facebook and Instagram using the links in the show notes. Special thanks to Twisterium and Sound J Music for providing our intro music and our ending music. Thanks for listening and happy movie watching. You're still here? It's over. Go home. Go.